Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our In the World, Not of It series, which walks through the book of 1 Corinthians, showing how we are citizens of a better country. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, this morning, we're going to come to these last few verses from verse 15 down through verse Number 24, and as we come to this last message in our time this morning, I just want to ask you if you've ever noticed in your life, have you ever noticed how bold or how courageous or how, forgive me, how stupid you become when you're around certain people? You know how bold you can get, how courageous or just how, you know, silly things that you come up with. I'm thinking about the many, many, many crazy things that I've done in my life that I probably would have never done. And some of them I probably would have never said had I not been around the certain people that I was around. Um, I've told on myself plenty of times in the crazy stories that I have. Uh, many of you remember the blems. I spoke with Daniel this week and uh, I've told of the crazy stories that I have with Daniel Blem and the nutso things that we did, like throwing ice cream cones off of the top of a van into oncoming traffic, trying to hit windshields. I've told that story. Or the time that we boldly played football in the church auditorium because the church was getting rid of pews and getting chairs in. And we were seven and eight years old. We played football in the auditorium. And I'm not talking just like little peewee football. I'm talking tackle football, kick the ball as high as you can, throw it as far as you can. And on that occasion, I know we broke at least one light and perhaps two or three windows. I'm thinking about the times that we did wheelchair races in the church auditorium with wheelchairs that had brand new tires. I don't know if you've ever done it, but when you take wheelchairs with carpet like this, um, you know, that just that thin Berber carpet, uh, you can create some really good brake marks just so you know. I've told you about those times of crazy things we've done that. I've spoke about times in my life of um, when I was in high school and Daniel wasn't there for these, but some other friends were. And I've jumped off some very crazy places into water when I probably shouldn't have. Uh, We used to go, (coughs) mom, plug your ears because I don't know if you know about this. We used to go when we lived over in, T- in Tacoma. We lived in a town called Lakewood right next to it. It was Stillicum. Uh, Stillicum had, uh, you know, the piers and the, the ocean. Puget Sound was right there. And there was old docks down there that the docks were there. And then right next to the docks, there was a railroad bridge, a train bridge um, that went over just part of the sound. Well, that bridge was 75, the peak of it where you could climb to was 75 feet high. And then there were the docks and the docks were about 45 feet high. Well, I remember some friends of mine, we were going to go to the bridge and go, go bridge jumping and jump off of that into the ocean, um, but they had put up um, a lot of no trespassing fences and barbed wire and different things, and I don't know why, but anyway, they did that, so we ended up going to the docks, and we went to the docks 45, 40 feet, 45 feet, and it's the type of jumping that, you know, the, the, it's not... It's not uh, um, major waves coming in, but there's a bit of a current and things coming in. And I remember I was up on top of this dock looking down 40 feet and my friends were behind me and they were like, dude, just do it. Just do it. it, Listen, you'll be fine. Just do it. And it's one of those jumps, if you've ever gone cliff jumping, that you have to do it with shoes on because you'll break bones when you hit the water because it it feels feels wonderful. Anyway... (laughs) 
I remember I was there and I was standing and one of my friends to the right of me was like, all right, man, if you're not gonna go, I'm gonna go. And we'd only been there like 20 seconds. I'm like, dude, just give me a second. I'm just, and then he jumps. And as soon as he jumped, immediately I'm like, I can do this too. And I just jumped off of this dock this, it was a big post, 45 feet. I hit the uh, water, it felt like cement. And uh, I came up and then they're like, let's do it again. So you know what we did? We did it again. <clears throat> Men's retreat, three years ago, we jumped off a cliff that was 54 feet high because people were there going, I'll do it if you do it. Well, sure, I'll do it. Well, yeah, I'll do it. Well, then you do it first. All right, you do it first. Fine, I'll do it. Remember, Troy? And uh, man, we all just did. Did you jump, Troy? I don't think you jumped. Uh, man, that's all right. I, I was gonna, well, no, no, Troy is sane. That's all we're saying. He's sane. He's thinking. Uh, but I remember, man, we were jumping off this cliff. You know what? You and I, if you're honest, if you're honest, we all have times in our life when we did something probably a little stupid because of people that were around us. But it's also could be said, you probably have also made some of the best decisions in your life because of people around you. I, I've told the story, not in depth, but when Hannah and I first met, we really, of course, we met when we were teenagers, but when we first began, when we realized that we liked each other and that it perhaps was gonna be uh, us for life, I remember we were at a camp that I was singing at and she came down and we spent, uh, we spent eight hours one day just, st- just sitting on the deck um, of this camp just talking about life. And it, it wasn't like, hey, how are you? It was like, okay, are you interested? Because I'm interested and we've got to talk through this. Like, um, you know, when would you want to get married? And like, that was the type of conversation, wasn't it? That conversation that we had, it was just in depth. And I remember leaving that, uh, leaving that camp that week and I remember two friends in particular that I was talking to. One of them was traveling with me. One of them was just a friend on the phone. And they both, within, within two weeks of me and Hannah sitting on that deck and talking, one of my friends said, so uh, what do you think about Hannah Perkins? I said, man, I, I, think she, I think she might be the one. And I remember that friend, he looked at me and he said, then don't mess it up. He said, you would be stupid if you let her get away from you. That's what he said. And he, and he, was, he was really trying to be a friend, like, don't, don't be dumb. And I remember looking and thinking, okay, yeah, man, I, I get it, you know. A couple days later, another friend of mine was calling. He was like, hey, I heard you started talking to to Hannah Perkins. I said, yeah. And he said, Dennis, don't let her get away. He's like, she's probably one of the godliest young ladies. And he began to talk about her. I was like, I don't even know you knew her. He's like, I just know the family. Just just don't be stupid. You know what? Those, Those two conversations, God used those to like confirm in my mind, she's the one. And seven days later is when I told her I loved her and when she said thank you and hung up on me and I've told that story. And <laughs> we're, not, we're not gonna rehearse that story because that brings up heartache and hurt in my life. And I still uh, go to sleep at night. I'm like, babe, are you sure you love me? And every now and then she just says thank you and rolls over and goes to sleep. <clears throat> it's all just bring back memories. I'm kidding. You know why? Listen, we all, uh, we all do things. We make some bold decisions. We, we uh, make some stupid decisions. We probably make some very courageous decisions because of the people that we build around us that influence us. This morning, as we come to the closing part of 1 Corinthians, 
I'm going to say that if, if we just did a casual reading of it, like if you just, you know, you were at home and you're like, oh, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 16, you would probably come to verse 14 that we were at last week and, and you would have learned something. You would have grown. You would have thought, oh, there's a lot of good things in here. But when you go from verse 15 to verse number 24, if you just did a casual reading, I think we would miss a lot. And so today I don't want us to do a casual reading. I want us to really dig in and I want us to understand this concept because I believe that one of the applications that we can get from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15 through 24 is Paul helping us understand this. Your Christian life is not to be an island. You are not alone. There are other good believers around you. There are people that God puts in your path. There are people that God will use to encourage and refresh you. So stop living on an island. You are not alone. And you will, listen, you will go deeper in the Lord and you will go further for the Lord depending upon the influences you allow into your life. It is a bold and courageous decision to say, I'm going to serve the King of Kings with my life. Oh, I'm not talking about being a pastor in ministry. No, no, no. I'm talking about a retiree. I'm talking about an everyday businessman. I'm talking about a housewife, a mom, a teenager, a young person, every single one of us. It is a bold and courageous decision to live what I'm going to call counterculture, to live different from the world. It is bold. The whole series has been in the world, not of the world. It is bold to say, I'm gonna live a Christian life and I don't care what anybody says. But you will go deeper in that Christian life and further with that Christian life when you build the right kind of people around you, when you draw close to the right kind of people. That's what I believe Paul highlights for us. So take your Bible if you would. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 and let's stand together. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, beginning in verse number 15, we're gonna read all the way down through the end of the chapter. As Paul writes these words, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I beseech you that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit. And yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia, they salute you. Aquila and Priscilla, they salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's through these verses that we're going to discover Paul challenging the believers to build around them and to draw closely around them certain people because you will go further and you will go deeper in your Christian life if you allow the right influences. So let's pray and let's talk this morning about this passage before us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you take just a minute and would you 
Just commit the next few minutes to the Lord. Would you ask him to speak to you and would you ask him to help you? And would you make a decision today that if God speaks to you, that you're gonna listen to him and you're gonna respond to him? Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the word. Thank you for how you desire to use it in our lives. And uh, God, I wanna pray today for each of us that are here and those that are with us online. I pray, God, that you would help every one of us, Lord, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be challenged. But then, God, if there's someone that's with us today in person or uh, online that they don't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, they don't know that you are in their life, I pray that today would be the day that you help them put their faith and trust in you. And God, we do pray that you'd speak to us, help us right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. When I talk about influence, probably the two words that come into your mind would be the phrase peer pressure. Uh, because peer pressure can make somebody do something crazy or peer pressure can encourage somebody to do something good. But most people in here, and honestly, even uh, most adults, and by adult, I mean probably 30 and up, most adults, even 25 and up, will think of influence as, well, peer pressure, the teenagers. You know, these young people, they need to be really concerned about their peer pressure. They need to be concerned about their influences. But the fact of the matter is this, that whether you are 15, 25, or 95, every single person still has peer pressure. Every single person still has to build around themselves the correct or the right influences. And that's what I believe is Paul's main thrust right here toward the end of the chapter. And here's why I believe that. I want you to notice a few phrases. First, notice in verse number 16. Okay, we'll get to the message in just a minute. Notice verse number 16. Paul uses the phrase, submit yourselves. Do you see that in verse number 13? I I pray you in verse number 15, verse 16, that you would submit yourselves. Okay, verse number 18, Paul uses the phrase, therefore acknowledge ye them acknowledge ye, all right? Submit yourselves, acknowledge ye. And then verse number 20, greet ye, greet ye one another. Do you see that? Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. You see that there? We're not gonna practice this today, all right? Just so you are are, uh, feeling a little insecure. We're not doing it. It's okay. Verse 16, submit yourselves. Verse 18, acknowledge ye. Verse number 20, greet ye one another. With all three of these phrases, while they are different, and while, while they are different in definition, in context, listen, in context, we're not gonna have a Greek lesson, they all carry with them the same principle and the same driving force. They all have to do with building around you or drawing close to you. Noah, thanks for volunteering. Come here, please. I like to pick on Noah because I just like to pick on Noah. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to pick on him. If Noah is, is over, is, nope, just stand right there. Doesn't he look snazzy in that white coat today? <laughs> I couldn't wear it. That's too small. Anyway, if Noah, if Noah's right there, here, here is, and I, 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 this is a very simple thought, but I just want us to get it, Okay. Here is the theme that Paul is going to get across to us by submit ye, acknowledge ye, and greet ye. The theme is this. If you could imagine me taking a a rope of some sort and throwing it around Noah and then slowly pulling him toward me. (laughs) 
Do you see that? What am I doing? I, it's almost like a net. It's fishing. I am drawing him in. Do you understand that? I'm drawing him. Why am I drawing him in? I'm drawing him in to be close to me. I'm drawing him in to be right next to me. Does that make sense? It's a very basic concept, okay? So here's what, here, go back over there. <laughs> Does the white coat make you moonwalk? Is that, you don't have white gloves. <laughs> uh, maybe I should have got someone else. Noah's gonna steal the show. <clears throat> I'm kidding. It's almost like this. In my life, I need to remember that I, I am casting out a net and I'm drawing people close to me. I'm building people around me. And so Paul is almost saying this, as you do that, be intentional about who you build around you. Submit, bring together, acknowledge, recognize, and, and uh, recognize with the purpose of being, being like, and then greet ye, be engaged in, fellowship with. Paul is saying this, throw that net out and pull in a certain type of people. Draw close to you a certain type of people. Why? Because these types of people who wear white coats and can moonwalk on the platform, these types of people will help you go further and deeper in your Christian life. Does that, that all make sense? And so we have to see the connection. Great job. You, no. <laughs> if you didn't hear him, he said, holy kiss. Is that what we're doing next? Uh, Today, we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight for Noah. And <laughs> so all three of these phrases, they have to do with, with drawing close to or building around you. And there's, there's multiple types of people we should do this with, but three specifically that I see, I had it broken down into four points, but uh, Brian made fun of me for having four points, and so we're only having three. No, I'm just teasing. There's just three, but here's the thought, and I want, I want you to see this today. The first thing Paul says this, hey, as you cast the net out and as you draw people close to you, number one, draw close to you those, those people who follow and serve Christ. Okay, now, now, if you've been in church for any length of time, that's kind of like a, well, duh. But it's not a duh moment in Paul's, in Paul's mind. It's a very intentional discussion, a very intentional point that Paul gives. Notice it in verse 15 and 16. We read, them a moment, we read them a moment ago, but here's what Paul says. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I beseech you, brethren, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. As Paul writes, he writes about the house of Stephanus. Now, they would know who the house of Stephanus is. We would not really know who the house of Stephanus is, but we can gather some things from Scripture, and specifically right here, the house of Stephanus, they are listed as the first fruits of Achaia. What does that mean? The house of Stephanus would have been the very first group of people that Paul would have reached when he came into Achaia. When he came into this Corinthian region, the house of Stephanus, this man and his family, that's the very first family that Paul would reach. Paul baptized them himself. He speaks about this all the way back in 1 Corinthians chapter number one. And apparently this family, they became important leaders within the church and they completely dedicated themselves to the Lord's work. Now, I love the phrase, they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I love that phrase. 
But here's what that, and here's what that phrase means. It's not that they pushed themselves into leadership. It's not that they forced themselves to be in front of everybody. The phrase literally means that they saw a need and they went to work. They were helpers. They labored. They wearied themselves for the Lord. Literally, it means they appointed themselves. They, it was a self-appointment to serve the Lord and to serve his people. And it wasn't just Stephanus, it was his household. His whole family said, it's our duty. It is our, we are appointing ourselves to follow the Lord and to serve in ministry. <clears throat> now, this wouldn't be a serving in ministry to be the pastor or to be a, an elder or a deacon or a bishop. This would be the serving in ministry of, hey, we're just gonna do whatever it takes to help this move forward. God's cause move forward. Paul tells them, you know them, right? Hey, you know, you know the house of Stephanus, but take out the parentheses and here's how the phrase would read. I beseech you, brethren, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. The phrase beseech, it means this, I highly invite, I highly entreat or invoke or exhort you to do what? To submit yourselves unto, did you see it? Unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. What's the plea that Paul is giving? Paul is really saying, I can't suggest it enough. I really wanna encourage you with this. If you wanna go deeper in your Christian faith and you wanna go further, draw yourself closer to those who have made it their priority to serve God. Hey, they've addicted themselves to the ministry. They've appointed themselves as servants of the Lord. They have labored, they've wearied themselves is what that phrase means. They, they help in any way they can and they've wearied themselves for God's sake and for the sake of other believers. Well, what about it, Paul? Hey, find those types of people. Find those types of people and draw close to them. Draw close to those who are following and faithfully serving the Lord. Draw close to those to uh, draw close. Draw close to those who have uh, appointed themselves not to notoriety, but they've appointed themselves just to serving. And I just want to say this morning that one of the best listen, one of the best decisions, although it may seem elementary, although it may seem simple, although it may be that cereal box that's on the very low shelf that anybody in the house can reach. I just want to say it, it, it is very, um, it, it is needful. It can't be encouraged enough. That you and I, we need people influencing us that simply do this. They follow God and they just wanna use their lives for God. 
I mean, that, that's, that's what Paul is saying. Hey, I, I, I want to beg you, submit yourselves unto such, like, or draw, draw close unto such, submit yourselves, bring yourself underneath, help yourself be just like them. Why? Because I'm going to go further for God and deeper with God if I will just build around me the influence of people who just love God and want to serve people. I think, though, that if we're honest, We have a problem with that. He said, well, pastor, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a basic concept. Why would we have a problem with it? <clears throat> because we have a problem with pride. Because if, you know, if I join myself up, if I join myself up with just the, the common people, then I can't make a name for myself. I can't be something in the church. I can't lead. I can't, no, that's not what it's saying. Here's the simple principle. As you cast out the net for influences, just cast that net around people who simply follow the Lord and use their life for God. And God says, I will bless that. I will bless that influence. Submit yourselves unto them. Why? Because they help and they labor. Become like them. I think it would be wise some days to just, in our church, you know what you should do is you should just look around and see who's faithful. Hey, who do I see here a lot? Who do I see serving that doesn't need notoriety? Who do I see investing and they, they, don't, have to, they don't have to have the hand of praise? Who do I see week in and week out, week out as a greeter or a nursery? Who do I see just faithfully serving? I, I wanna hang out with them a little more. I wanna spend some time with them. Oh, I'm not gonna ask them. Now, why are you faithful? Now, what's going on? No, 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 It's just do life closely with people who follow God and who serve God. Notice people who are faithful and don't need that attention. Notice people who are faithful to the things that we looked at last week of serving and giving and arrange yourself around them. Why? You will be better because of the influence of those people. I just finished a book Probably, and I, I don't just flippantly say this, probably one of the best books on leadership I've ever read called Excellence Wins by a man uh, by the name of um, Horst Schultz. He was the founder of Ritz-Carlton. And in that book, he tells a story. And the story is of a famous uh, German symphony conductor named Wilhelm Futwängler. That's all I'm saying. Now, Wilhelm, he was a famous symphony conductor during World War II. He spoke out heavily. He was in Germany. He spoke out heavily against the, the Reich and, and all of the influence and the uh, Nazi and socialism. He spoke heavily against it. But the, uh, the Reich dare not get rid of him because he was such a world-renowned orchestra leader. At the end of the war, there was an American musician that as soon as the war ended, this American musician rushed to Germany to get hired into this Wilhelm's orchestra. And here's, here's that, that uh, instrumentalist's comments about the first experience that he had there. They said this, let me recall the first day. I was standing in the back of the rehearsal hall studying my score. 
since I was due to join in the next set, uh, since I was due to join in the next set, but I couldn't concentrate. I realized that I had never heard music like that. It went to a level that I didn't even think was humanly possible. It gave me chills. As I looked closer and saw, I saw that it was not an assistant conducting the rehearsal. It was Wilhelm himself. You say, well, pastor, what does all of this have to do with Paul's thought? You wanna know why that musician traveled all the way around the world to a country that people did not wanna be involved in at a time that was probably not the safest? The reason he did it was because he wanted to be close to this conductor. Why? Because I'll be better because of him. You know what we need in our Christian life? We need some Christians who will go to great lengths just to draw closely to other believers who simply follow the Lord and faithfully serve the Lord. Because if we're not careful, we distance ourselves from those types of people. Church becomes one day a week. Church becomes the thing I do on Sunday. Every one of us should have friends in our life that are lost people, people who don't know Christ. But every one of us should have close friends in our life that are just simply following the Lord and serving him. Why? You'll go further, you'll go deeper. If you draw close to those who follow and serve God. Number two, you'll go further and you'll go deeper when you draw close to those who give, who give to and refresh others. You will, draw, you will go further and deeper if you draw close to those who give to and refresh others. Notice verse 17 and 18. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied for because they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. Here we read of this delegation that we've been speaking about throughout our series that brought Paul word about the church at Corinth. And they, <coughs> excuse me, they brought this letter back from, uh, back from Corinth to Paul. So they brought this report to Paul. Hey, here's what's going on. And then they were responsible for getting 1 Corinthians all the way back to Paul. And this Stephanus and, and Fortunatus and Achaicus, we read of them. We already know about Stephanus. But these other two, we don't know much about. Here's what we do know. We know that these men, they did more than just come to Paul and share problems. All right, well, what did they do? Well, Paul told us. What he was lacking, they brought to him. All right, well, what's that talking about? Paul had physical needs just like we all do. And he was at a time in Ephesus when he wrote this letter that he received from them something that he needed. I don't know, maybe they brought him a coat that he needed. Maybe they brought him uh, some financial help that he needed. Maybe they, they paid for a few of his meals. We don't know, but we know he was like, hey, I was lacking some things. And you, through Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, you gave to me, you supported me. But what else did they do? Paul says, they refreshed my spirit. Now that, <clears throat> it almost seems like a oxymoron. Why? Do you remember what Paul just wrote about? <laughs> hey, you guys got a lot of issues. There's fighting, there's sin. You're covering things up. What's going on? I know you have questions, but you are wrong in all of your, th your theology. You have gotten way off. There's some issues. This is what Paul has been telling them. And yet Paul says, but when they came, they refreshed my spirit. Well, how did they refresh him? 
Well, I think one of the ways that they refreshed him is in the fact that when they came, they did not, they did not just tell Paul everything that was wrong. If you paid attention in our series, we already discussed a few of these things, but some things that Paul commended the church of Corinth on. He commended them on being pictures of God's grace. God's grace, God's strength is very evident in you. How did he hear about that? The delegation. Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, they had, they had really grown in their giftedness. Hey, when I left, I knew you were gifted, but now I'm hearing that you guys are a gifted, gifted church. Even though you may be wrong in some of the theology on your gifts, I just want to commend you. You're a gifted church. They told Paul about the number of people who were a part of the church that were desiring to stand firm for the Lord. Because as Paul writes through the book of 1 Corinthians, he highlights, hey, I know this doesn't encompass everybody. There are some of you that are still standing strong. There are some of you that still desire to move for the Lord. Paul heard about that from this delegation. They spoke highly of many who were giving and had a heart to work for the Lord. And so I believe that one of the ways that they were refreshed, that uh, uh, Paul was refreshed by this delegation was because they didn't just come and, and harp, harp on the negative. They came and said, yeah, we have some issues, but Paul, you need to know some good things about us. You know some good things about what's going on. And here's what Paul says. He says, they came and they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, because of the refreshment that they were to me and really in turn, they were to you. Therefore, that last part, acknowledge ye them that are such. What does that mean? The phrase acknowledge means to recognize and become fully acquainted with. Now that may that may not just jump off the page to you like it did to me. But to acknowledge, like we, we would think to acknowledge somebody is to recognize them. I acknowledged that Noah was wearing a white coat and he could moonwalk across the platform. I acknowledge, you know, you recognize that. <clears throat> but to recognize and become fully acquainted with would be me saying, hey, Noah, I recognize that you have a white coat. Let me wear it. Hey, Noah, I recognize that you moonwalked on the platform. Teach me how to moonwalk on the platform. How many of you want to see that today? You're not going to. You're not going to. No, to recognize it is one thing. I see it, but to become fully acquainted with means I want it in my life. So here's what Paul is saying to them. He's saying to these believers, hey, if you want your Christian life to go deeper and further, if you want to go deeper and further in your Christian faith, build around you and draw close to you people who not only refresh, but people who give to others and encourage others. Hey, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, they came to me and they gave to me and they refreshed me. I want to encourage you. Recognize people around you that give and refresh others, but then try to emulate it. Recognize it and be fully acquainted with. Recognize it and endeavor to make it your life purpose to be like them. There's a lot of people that are takers in life, aren't there? There are people who take your time, people who take your money, people who take of your uh, position, people who take, uh, they just, people like to take. You know, it'd be wise of us is if we would build around us people who like to give. And I'm not just talking about finances. 
No, people who see, see a need somewhere and they'll give to meet it. They wanna give of their time to be a help. They wanna give of their speech to be an encouragement. Man, people who give, it'd be good for us to build these types of people around us. Why? Because they will help us go deeper and further because at their heart is a desire to build up and to help others around them. People who are not committed to what they can get, they're committed to how they can help. We all know people who are draining to be around and discouraging to be around. And while we should try and build up and help those types of people, these shouldn't be the ones that we build around us and that we draw close to. No, I should want to build people around me that are encouragers, that are refreshers, that are givers. But then I should not only try to build those people around me, I should try to be that person. Hey, try to be the believer who gives and refreshes. I think we could easily say, yeah, Paul, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna find people around me that give because I really need. I'm gonna find people around me that are encouragers because I'm always discouraged. I think there's a great challenge here of don't be the draining person. Man, be someone that looks at life and says, you know what, today I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to invest in people, to give to people. I have an opportunity today to make Jesus look good. How can I do it? I'm gonna use my life to be a Stephanus, a Fortunatus, or an Achaicus. what they do? They gave and they refreshed. Hey, you wanna go further in your Christian life? You wanna go deeper in substance in your spiritual walk with the Lord? Draw close to people who follow the Lord and serve the Lord. Draw close to people who give to others and are refreshing or encouraging to others. But then lastly today, it's a very simple thought. Draw close to people who really believe in Christ. And specifically, people who are very close in proximity to you who believe in Christ. Now, where do we see this? Verse 21 down through verse number 24. The churches of Asia salute you. This is just Paul greeting them. Asia, uh, Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Not gonna spend much time, but Aquila and Priscilla, they would have been uh, servants that served alongside Paul while he was in many different places. This is a family. They were tent makers with Paul, leather uh, workers that they literally picked up where they were to travel with Paul to a couple different places. We know that they were in Rome at one point. The book of Romans has them in there. We know that they were in Corinth at one point. We know that they were in Ephesus with Paul once, and then they were later in Ephesus with Timothy. This family, Aquila and Priscilla, man, they were a family that said, we are going to make it our task, our lives, our duty to encourage and to bless and to help the man of God as he goes around and preaches and encourages and helps build up the churches. And I'm, I just want to say publicly, I'm thankful today for people in our church that have said, you know what? We want to be an encouragement to our pastor. That's what Aquila and Priscilla were. They were an encouragement to their pastor. They, they were uh, someone that they, they, yes, they saw the need and, in, and they were involved and they did stuff, but man, they literally took their life and said, hey, we wanna partner with you to help the cause of Christ move forward. And I'm thankful for people like that in our church. But that's who Aquila and Priscilla were. And Paul simply talks about them and their house that was in the church. But then notice verse number 20, or their church that was in their house. But notice verse number 20. Paul says this. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Verse, 20, verse 19 and 20 is Paul saying, hey, here's a bunch of people that say hello. 
All right, the Christians in Asia, they say hello. Aquila and Priscilla and the church that's meeting in their house where I'm at, they say hello. Basically, all the brethren greet you. They all say hi. Now, greet you one another with a holy kiss. Now, here's the application of that. You gotta come in church and go around and kiss people. I'm kidding. That is not the application of this. No, this phrase Paul speaks of is just not only a word of greeting to them, but it's also saying to them, when you are around other people that believe, offer fellowship, offer friendship. This was a common mode, this holy kiss, this kissing one another is a common mode of greeting. Still to this day, if you've ever traveled over the world, there's places in the world that they still do this and it is very awkward. And I'm telling you, when a man is coming in to kiss your cheek, you are thinking, please don't do that. And yet you're going to anyways. And, and it just, you know, they just, it's, it's a mode of, hey, what's it doing? It's equivalent, you, you know this, many of you, it's equivalent to our handshake. Now COVID's kind of done away with all that, you know, but I don't know about you, but there's nothing, in my life, there's, there's nothing like someone just giving me a warm handshake or I, everybody knows I'm a hugger, you know, putting that arm around, giving you, giving you a hug. Well, what is, hey, hey, I wanna be close to you. I respect you. I offer you that hand of friendship, that hand of fellowship. Now it's I offer you the fist bump of freedom, you know, and the elbow of, of acknowledging that COVID is still out there. That's what people wanna do. But man, what's Paul? This is, pre, you know, this is pre-COVID and all this stuff. Here's what Paul is getting at, and don't miss it. Paul is getting at this. Just spend time with people who believe like you. Draw close to those who believe in Christ and specifically those who are right around you in your fellowship. Notice the next phrase, the next few verses, and we're done. He says, the salutation of me with mine hand. So this is a part that Paul wrote. The rest of the book he would have dictated. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus Amen. The word anathema, maranatha, it simply means to be accursed to judgment. The judgment is coming. Here's what Paul is saying. He's not talking about people who fluctuate in their love for the Lord. Paul is talking about people who truly believe in Christ. Hey, if you have around you people that really love the Lord, man, praise God. But if there are those around you that they don't believe, they want nothing to do with the Lord, they want nothing to do with Jesus Christ, Paul says they, they've made their decision, they're just awaiting judgment. Now, that's a powerful statement. But here's the, what I believe Paul is trying to help us understand as he wraps up everything. He's trying to help us say, trying to help us see this. There are going to be people around you who are worth being close to and people around you who are not. Now, should every believer have lost people that they know that they're trying to reach? Yes. Every, listen, you should have people that you pray for on a regular basis that you're praying for them to receive Christ. And you, and you can be close to them. But here's the thinking that Paul is having. Don't let your main influences be people who are saying, ah, just curse God. Don't let your main influence be people that say, I want nothing to do with that Jesus stuff. Now, could they be my friends and I'm trying to reach them? Yes, they should be. But you should build around you people who believe. 
Build around you and draw close to those who believe in Christ, especially those in your fellowship. At the beginning of the message, I asked if you've ever noticed how bold or courageous that you and I can become when we're around certain people. I wanna end this whole series by saying what I started with. It is a bold and a courageous decision to recognize that while we live in this world, we are not of this world. We do not have to get sucked into the thinking of culture and miss a fulfilled and a complete Christian life with the Lord and for the Lord. But here's the point. If you're going to go deeper with the Lord and accomplish more for the Lord, you need to build these types of believers around you. You will be more bold in your faith. You will take more courageous, faith-filled, you will make more courageous, faith-filled decisions in your life. You will have a better relationship with the Lord. You will be more effective in reaching people for the Lord. You will go deeper and you and I will go further if we throw the net out and we draw close to us people who follow Christ and faithfully serve him. People who make it their lives to say, I have appointed myself as a servant of Jesus. You'll go further and deeper if you draw close to those types of people. You'll go further and deeper if you draw close to people who don't always take, but if you draw close to people who desire to give and be an encouragement. And if you desire to give and be an encouragement, and you will go further and deeper in the Christian life if you'll just find people or build people around you that say, you know what? I just love Jesus. That's one of the reasons that I think church is one of the most important things for New Testament Christianity. Church is a place where God, ecclesia, called out everybody from different forms of life, different walks in life. And God calls us together for the purpose of reaching this world with the gospel and making God look good. But there's a third purpose in it. It's for fellowship. During this Christian life, you can live on an island and you can go through your struggles and heartaches and you, you, we're all gonna have them. You're right, you're not gonna get through this life without hurt. It's part of life. You can go through life on an island and thinking it's just you or you can live your Christian life in a fellowship and build around you people and not only build around you these types of people that are faithful, but try to be one of those people. I wanna follow the Lord and be faithful to him and serve him. I wanna give to others and be refreshing to others. I wanna simply love God first and love people around me. Listen, don't live your Christian life on an island. That's why we have the growth groups. That's why we have Sunday services. That's why we have the ladies' Bible study. That's why we have the men's breakfast. We're getting ready to have one in February. That's why we have different things in our Christian life is so that we can be engaged in fellowship. Why? I need you. I, I need you. As a pastor and a member of Moses Lake Baptist Church, I need you. Well, yeah, you're saying that because you need people to preach to. No. No, I need fellowship and I need encouragement and I need people who are gonna refresh me and give, and I should desire to be that in your life. It's a reciprocal relationship, right? And I, I encourage you, and you encourage me. I strengthen you, and you strengthen me, and, and you strengthen each other, and that's, that's, what, that's what God intended. 
And so as Paul wraps this whole thing up, he boils it all down to say this. You can go further and deeper in your Christian life if you would just build the right kind of people around you. So look for those people and try to be one of those people. But maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I I couldn't build Christians around me. I couldn't be a good Christian around others because I don't even know Christ as my savior. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I've put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I would ask you this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Hey, everybody's gonna spend eternity in heaven or hell. Everybody's, everybody's a sinner. We've broken God's law. We deserve hell. But that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to this earth to die on a cross, to forgive us and offer us forgiveness of our sin, to be buried and then raised again from the dead to prove his love for us. If you're here this morning or you're with us online and you don't know that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, today could be a day where you put your faith and your trust in him. Today could be a day where you join the family of God by being born into his family by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to be your savior. If you're here and you do know Christ as savior, you're with us online, you know Christ as savior, would you make the decision today, God, would you help me to draw close to people who follow you, who faithfully serve you, who give and refresh others? And God, would you help me to draw close to the fellowship of believers that I'm around? And not only that, would you pray and ask God, God, help me to be a person that others would want to draw close to. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As we come to a time of invitation, I wanna ask just a couple of questions before we're dismissed. The first question today is, do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor, I know for sure. I know for sure if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony to the Lord? Pastor, I know that. I've trusted Christ as my savior. Just write up and write back down. If that's you today and you've made that decision before, would you make the decision to draw close to those that we talked about today? And then would you also make the decision to be one who's worth drawing close to? Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.